Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis from The Mirror, and TalkSport transfer guru, Alex Crook. Play on! Premier League keeps ball rolling despite a late shout at the cottage. Manchester United's late goal in midweek means they are in a title race now, win their game in hand, and... uh... City back in training after scare. The game with Chelsea is set to go ahead, but questions remain over the league's handling of the affair. Liverpool go to Saints after drawing with the Sinners in midweek. Leicester visit Bruce's boys next and Tottenham welcome Leeds to North London Jose versus Bielsa lick your lips it's all on the podcast that is prepared to roll up its sleeves and say jab me here Sam um, you're so tempting it's the game day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport This is Game Day. Well, hello to assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. Hello. Hello. Happy oh. Christmas. Or oh, should I say happy new year now? No, it's happy new year now. I think Christmas is well gone, Darren. Come on. <laughs> I know you're, you're grabbing hold of those quality streets like there's no tomorrow, just to make oh, sure. you can tell, can you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Alex Crook, uh, the TalkSport transfer guru and football reporter, is here as well. Hello. Hello, good morning. Nice to see you both. Uh, so Manchester United are three points off the top with a game in hand. Who wants to go first with a grovelling apology to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Listen, um, you can't argue with the current run of form. You can't argue with the turnaround <laughs> since that debacle at home to Tottenham. And having watched Liverpool toil against Newcastle last night, if there's ever a time to win the Premier League title, then maybe it is now. And uh, if he does that, then I will, of course, be issuing a grovelling apology. For the moment, I'm just enjoying the, the thrill ride. Uh, I thought they were really um, dogged in the game against um, Wolverhampton Wanderers. I thought they just kept going and going and going and going. And there was only one team that were going to win the match in the end. I don't think Wolves created too much in that in that second half, really. Um, and when Rashford scored, I mean, I mean, if, if there had been a crowd there, the roof would have came off the place. Go on, Darren. What did you want to say? You wanted to have a go at them, didn't you? Well, no, not so much a go at them, but I think you can only really ask for an apology if they win the league, because that's the barometer by which Man United are judged. They haven't won the league since 2013. Absolutely. And that's why managers at the club, even if they win silverware like Jose Mourinho did, they're not necessarily deemed as a success because Man United, their barometer is winning titles and Champions Leagues. And that's the, the, the harsh reality around one of the biggest clubs in the world. So does Oli deserve an apology for getting within three points off top spot? Not really. Um, if you look at the former Old Trafford, it's not been great. If you look at the team, they've been hugely reliant on Bruno Fernandes. If you look at the Wolves game, Wolves had more shots on target than Man United. So I don't really buy into your idea that, oh, well, they had five to Man United's three. So you can pull that face. But, but the, I think as far as Wolves are concerned... But the, quali- they- but the quality <laughs> of those shots, the quality of those shots were nowhere near. I mean, if you look... I mean, I'm going to do it now so that we've got the, the real statistics. Uh, but if you if you look at the uh, the XG Man United from that had 11 game, attempts on goal. 
goal. I will say the Wolves had nine. But I will. Look, I, I haven't looked at this. I'm telling you, if I look at the XG for that game, Manchester United will be significantly higher than Wolverhampton Wanderers. Right? The XG 1.48 Manchester United, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0.41. The quality of the chances that they had was a lot higher than Wolves. So hang on a minute. You're gonna you're gonna throw at me the theory instead of the evidence of our own eyes on the day. No, I was there. I, I, I'm, I'm using the evidence of my That's eyes. That's why I said and our I rather than mine. And then I backed it up with the statistics. But the statistics are that on the grass, Wolves had five shots on target and United had three. But the quality of those shots on target were better for Manchester <laughs> United. They looked like they were likely to score more goals than Wolverhampton Wanderers, whose shots on target, one of which was from the edge of the penalty area, it was like rolling a, a P-roller back to the goalkeeper. That's I not that, that's, It might be a shot on target, but it's not a chance to score a goal. I have two points. Um, one is that what we've seen from this festive period, which has felt more congested than ever because of the, the belated start of the season, the ability to grind out results has been key. Manchester United showed that ability against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Liverpool, in their two games against West Bromwich Albion and last night against Newcastle, didn't show that ability. But the, the main reason that United won the game, that the only reason that we're even talking about them as potential title contenders is because of Bruno Fernandes, because the desire that he showed deep in stoppage time to keep attacking, keep driving that team forward. The pass to Rashford was out of this world. If he stays fit, they've got a chance. If he gets injured, they've got no chance. Actually, the main reason we're talking about them is because I'm desperate for you two to backtrack. But uh, anyway, we'll move on. Right, let's get to the previews. (laughs) First of all, the biggest game of the weekend. Well, we think... Werner has got clear and he's on the edge of the penalty area. It's Timo Werner, he's stabbed in and Chelsea have won the game. Pulisic has got their third goal. 3-1 they lead. We know our standards. We play really well in the in the past. We cannot win games without the way we played. So and from here we will have uh, we'll win games. More and more games in the future. Newcastle have given it away. Cancelo in the 18-yard box, steers it across, and Ferran Torres will tap it in from eight yards out after Federico Fernandez's clearance fell straight to him. And it's more away day blues at the Etihad for Newcastle United. At least it looks like we've got a game uh, for now. Chelsea against Manchester City, although Spurs only found out three hours before kickoff that their game with Fulham uh, in the week wasn't going ahead. City are back in training, Darren, and there were no extra positives uh, from the latest round of testing. So the game with Chelsea looks like it is going to take place. Everton still haven't got an explanation, by the way, as far as we know, as to why their game was called off on Monday so late. But any calls for Pauls have been shut down. And it's hard to argue with that, actually, isn't it? Because so far, just three games have been postponed out of hundreds that have gone ahead. I thought you were going to go to Crook first because I, I I don't want to be a party pooper, but you say just three games have been postponed, but we've got cases everywhere. We've got Premier League managers like Sam Allardyce saying, I'm 66 years of age and I don't want to catch the coronavirus. We've had David Moyes get it. We've had uh, Mikel Arteta get it. Uh, we've had players up and down the country. So I can't say that I'm jumping for joy or that it's necessarily a victory for common sense that everything is going ahead. I don't want to go too far the other way and say shut everything down because obviously if you can put games on in a safe environment, then fair enough. But something just sits uneasily with me when you've got a situation where games, and we've seen two of them this week, are postponed within a few hours of the kickoff. Mm. You've got managers like Jose Mourinho coming out and saying, we're sitting around what's going on. You've got players preparing. You've got all sorts going on. This is the kind of thing the government do when they announce, you know, lockdowns in parts of the country where people have arranged their New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was, it, was le- it was leaked through The Athletic the day before and then eventually we find out the real announcement just before we're all going to serious restrictions. Yeah, I, 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 I get what you mean. It needs to be handled slightly differently, doesn't it, Alex? Yeah, I think it needs more clarity and more leadership from the Premier League. It's a ridiculous situation that they waited so late to call off that game between Fulham and Spurs. But I know it sits uneasy with 
a few Premier League managers, not least David Moyes. He was very vocal when I spoke to him in midweek. The fact that they are going against their own protocol. They were told at the start of the season, clubs, maybe it wasn't formal, wasn't in writing, but certainly there was a gentleman's agreement that games would only be postponed if teams had fewer than 14 players available. I'm not convinced Manchester City did have fewer than 14 players available. I'm not convinced that Fulham did either. I know there's the, the health and safety issue and the, and the risk possibly of passing it on to the opposition team. But I think we need to get this into some kind of perspective. 18 tests is a record high since they began testing in May, but 18 from more than a 1,000 isn't a big number. I think training grounds are very safe and sanitised environment. Uh, so too are Premier League grounds. We've all been there and we can't fail to be impressed by how the clubs have, have managed that side of things. So I think it is safe to carry on the season. And I think it's also important for the mental well-being of the nation when more of the country than ever before now are in tier four restrictions. Football has, has been a light release. Oh, come on. Listen, we can't stick that on football. There are lots of issues and areas around which the mental health of the nation is is important. And, and football might play a small part, but I don't think you can stick it all on football, that it's football's job to address the health of the nation. Um, and I keep hearing that parroted around. And well, the government have said it on more than one occasion. Listen, the government use all sorts of things as a fig leaf to cover their... In, in, I mean, listen, we're, not, we're a football show, we're not a political show, so I won't go too far down that road. But I just feel that yeah, listen, you make a lot of good points and I don't really want to get hung up on, on you know... Okay, so in which case, let me ask you this question. Do you think we'll complete the season? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I think the will is there. Um, in the Premier League, I'm not convinced about the EFL. Yeah, I'm not convinced about the no, EFL either. I'm not convinced about the FA Cup upcoming in the next couple of weeks. I think some serious questions need to be asked before that is guaranteed. Crook? Do you think on that, and I mentioned it on uh, Sports Breakfast this morning, will there be some Premier League teams who possibly don't want to play their FA Cup third round tie yeah. against an EFL opponent who haven't carried out tests on their players. I think that the, the, the FA were talking about everybody who plays in the third round has to be tested. The quality of those tests and, and, the, and, the, and the sort of the, the duration between the, the two sets of testing or whether there'd be two or, or one set of testing, I think will be in question. But if I was a Premier League club and I was playing a team that weren't, play, weren't a Premier League opposition and hadn't been in a biosecure bubble, I'd be saying, it's not for me, I'm afraid. It's yeah, not for me. Can I just say, I mean, I spoke to the Premier League earlier this week and they were saying that they had increased their testing to once every 72 hours for clubs in Tier 4 and they were hoping to extend that it's to Pretty all much Premier everyone, isn't it now? Yeah, so I mean, the Premier League, this is why I say I don't want to be too negative because the Premier League are doing what they can. And they've done a very good it. job up until now, I must be said, by the way, yeah, in getting all yeah. the games on and making sure that the environment feels secure. But Sam, the problem is this. The Premier League players, when they get into the biosecure bubble, yeah, they're all protected. The training grounds are safe and uh, the, the stadia are safe. But they go out and they do all the same things as the rest of us. They fill their cars. They go into petrol stations. They go into supermarkets. Yeah. They do all of the things that the rest of us do. Exactly. But that's and, the risk for everybody who goes to work, though, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, you go to work, I go to work. We all fill up our cars. We all go all over the country uh, covering well, Tell football. that to Lascelles and St. Maximin, who are still struggling yeah, I totally with the agree with you. I tell you, you know, I, I'm still struggling with the effects of coronavirus. I've had it back in March. So, you know, I know that it is a serious issue and it is a problem. But at the same time, what the so what are the solutions? The solutions are that we shut down the entire industry. I'm not mm. sure that's going to happen. So if that isn't going to happen, we've got to find the best way forward. And at the moment, it doesn't seem to be the justification uh, for, for, for a circuit break. I mean, the idea, I mean, Sam Allardyce's idea of a circuit breaker, I mean, I don't get it really. What, what's going to happen two weeks? The players have to train every day. Mm, I don't really yeah. understand why he's leading that particular charge because, because he, he wants had to a get choice. on the training ground and, yeah, and but, shape his players for the running, surely. But he had a choice whether to, or not to put himself at risk by taking this management job. He decided to take that choice. So for him to come out two weeks later and say that he's worried about his health and football shouldn't be played, I find that a bit unpalatable, to be honest. Okay, yeah. should we look at the game itself? Chelsea event against Manchester City very quickly, because of course the reason that we're talking about this is because Manchester City and Chelsea probably will play now at 4.30 on on Sunday. Uh, Chelsea have scored just once in four league games against the big six this season. Are they going to struggle again, Darren? Yes, they are because Man City are defensively strong, um, and City of uh, sorry, Chelsea have gone completely off the rails for me. One win in their last uh, 
four in the league and one win in their last five in all competitions and something's gone horribly wrong. A defence that looked so strong, Mendy in goal, Silva leading the back four in front of him uh, and Canty in his rightful position. They've lost their way, they've lost their confidence, they've lost their spark. And I've seen City play over the last few games. They were really impressive, obviously, in the Carabao Cup, but in the league, they've got their mojo back. I think Chelsea are at the very least going to be fortunate to take a point. Um, they are still looking for their first win over a top side this season. Chelsea and uh, Manchester City have got the best defence in Europe's top five leagues. Alex, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think I'm tended to agree with uh, Darren, to be honest, especially given that Manchester City have had that bit of extra rest courtesy of their game being called off. I think there's a lot of questions for Frank Lampard to answer heading into the new year. You mentioned there they haven't beaten a team in the top six this season. His record actually on that front since he took the job is pretty lamentable, including, of course, the FA Cup final against Arsenal. Not that we're calling them a big a top six team anymore, but they are historically one of the big six. So I I think Chelsea need a performance. Um, and with Manchester City so stubborn defensively and still creating chances, but not necessarily scoring them with the regularity they have in the past, I think this could be another difficult afternoon for Frank Lampard and it'll be interesting to see what happens in January. Does he go out and spend another 150 million? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Soka picking up possession. It's through for Harry Kane. Kane from a tight angle. Majestically finished. Number 16 of the season for him. The 204th goal of his Tottenham career. They tried to close out a game for 89 minutes and they failed. Wolves have got the deserved equaliser. It's finished here. Wolves won, Spurs won. Maybe I can tell the players at half time, defend, 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 and they attack. Harrison looks to play a 1-2 with Bamford. Harrison in the area, makes it three. That's glorious. Absolutely glorious from Leeds United. Really excited to go down there and you know play against, again, one of the, the top teams in the world. We're going to you know continue to play our style of football. We, we have lots of faith in, in Marcelo. Uh, let's move on to Spurs against Leeds. It's live on TalkSport at 12.30 and part of our game day Saturday. We've got three games live from the Premier League. Uh, Tottenham's form has just come off the bridle a little bit in recent weeks. Um, they are actually below Chelsea in the table. 26 points from 15 games. They do have a game in hand over their London rivals. But Leeds United come to town on Saturday with uh, you know some good results in their back pocket should be an entertaining game a clash of styles Jose uh, and his pragmatism against Bielsa and his murder ball Alex Crook I half fancy Leeds for this game I have to be honest um, I think looking at how cautious and, and how defence minded Tottenham have been in recent weeks we know what we're going to get from Leeds they're going to take the game um, to the opposition they scored some sensational goals again against West Bromwich Albion yeah that first midweek. one was cracker wasn't it it was just a shame their Twitter account decided to ruin it for everybody, but we won't yeah. uh, delve too deeply into that. But I think, um, yeah, I think Tottenham, 
if they play as they have done, if they play as they did against Wolves, are content to let the opposition have the ball, then I think Leeds have got genuine weapons that can hurt them. Um, I think the other way, actually. I think because Bielsa's team come on to you so much and take the game to you, that Spurs, with their counter-attacking abilities, this plays into Jose Mourinho's hands, Darren. I agree with you. I think that if Leeds play as open at Spurs as they did against Man United, they'll lose and they'll lose big because Spurs have got too many quick, decisive players in that forward line. Kane will drop deep, he'll release Son, he'll release Mora, he'll release Bergvine, and they they will just demolish uh, Leeds if they play that open at the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The interesting thing about Leeds as well is that they've conceded three or more goals on six occasions this season. So it's all or nothing, really. They have that, got that good recent run. Mm. Um, three wins in the last four. They've scored 13 goals. If you concede the two, they scored at Man United in that defeat. So it's either a feast or famine in, in many respects. And I think if they go and they play the same way, and they do, don't they? They they won't compromise. They won't listen to anybody else. They will play the same way wherever they go. And that's and that, that's me. their beauty, isn't it? I mean, the fact is, you know what you're going to get when you go and watch Leeds. I mean, if you're going to purchase a ticket to watch anybody, I mean, you're guaranteed a certain type of performance if you purchase yeah. a Leeds United ticket. Fair in, and fair enough, you know, that's what you pay your money for. That's what you recruit Bielsa for. I'm just saying Spurs need to win this. Uh, the wheels have come off. They've won, I think, one in their last six after winning six in their previous nine. So Mourinho's got to win this. So if Leeds open up and roll the red carpet out for him to get space in behind, he will demolish them. Uh, they've only kept one clean sheet in five matches, Leeds United. So uh, to expect Tottenham to test that. Uh, later on in the day, it's West Bromwich Albion against Arsenal. That's an eight o'clock kickoff live on Talk Sport. Trevor Sinclair and Nigel Adderley bringing you live commentary of that game. And Mikel Arteta, well, you know, two weeks ago, he was re- getting ready for the chop and he was going to be on the dole queue in January. Now, all of a sudden, he is the hero again. Uh, Arsenal in 13th, taking on uh, West Bromwich Albion. In 19th, Big Sam has got a bit of a history, hasn't he, with Arsenal? Uh, I wonder whether or not uh, he will be uh, relishing the opportunity of uh, uh, making uh, Arteta's halo slip. It doesn't sound like it, does it? He wants the season to uh, to be put on hold. Um, I actually think we know more about the task that's facing Sam Allardyce now after that hammering they took at home to Leeds than we did after their smash and grab raid at, at Liverpool. And in some ways... I think a lot of people would have taken a bit of satisfaction in that because Sam Allardyce was held as a a master tactician after that Liverpool game. But if you watch the game, you look at the possession, you look at the chances, on another day, Liverpool would have won 6 or 7-0 with no questions asked. So they were lucky, West Brom. Okay, they stayed in the game, they worked hard, but it wasn't a a masterstroke from Sam Allardyce. It was the fact that Liverpool weren't quite firing and didn't take their chances. I think we saw more of the problems that Sam Allardyce is going to face by the way the players almost just seem to down tools against Leeds. And Adrian Durham actually made a really good point on drive in the week. He said the West Bromwich Albion players looked a bit baffled and bewildered as to why they were trying to play so defensive against a team effectively that were promoted along with them last season. Uh, And if this is the way that Sam Allardyce is going to approach every game, they aren't going to take enough points to stay up. And one of the other points that's made quite a lot this week is if you are a manager like Sam Allardyce, like Tony Pulis, and you're turning around to professional footballers and saying to, to them, basically, our philosophy is you ain't good enough to play football, so you need to do it in this way. Immediately, you sort of lose some of the bigger personalities in the group, Darren. Is that fair? Yes and no, because I'm th- I think you're absolutely right. You do lose some of the personalities. The problem is those personalities don't have that much self-awareness because they're second bottom of the league because they can't defend. And so if you go to a club <laughs> and a group of players okay. that can't defend... Darren Allardyce here, hello. <laughs> absolutely. Well, listen, that's why they look as though they're going to go down because they can't defend. So really what you've got to do as a starting point is say, look, let's forget about everything else and go right back to basics. George Graham used to do it. When he go go to a new club, his first couple of results were variably goalless draws because he stripped it right down and went back to basics. And then you can start to add the frills and the cherries on the top. So look, I think Allardyce will go into the transfer window and he'll do some business just like he did at Sunderland, just like he did at West Ham. 
Everton because he needs to. He needs to improve that squad. That's what they should have done in the first place before uh, to give Bilic a chance. Second bottom now, they're not that far from safety. If they go and do some business with the window reopening, they've got a chance. If they don't, they've got no chance. They're not that far from safety, but eight points from 16 games is not a, a, a sort of indicator that you're going to stay in the Premier League, I'm afraid. I mean, if you look at all the statistics over the years, very few teams have stayed up at this stage of the season with that few points, if any. Okay, let's leave this one to Alex Crook because at 5.30 on Saturday night, he is commentating on Brighton versus Wolves on Talk Sport. Alex, what are you going to give us? Uh, probably a, a, a usual story when it comes to Brighton. I'd imagine they're going to play pretty well. They're going to create could, some could, opportunities. Could you just sort of try and give it a little bit more enthusiasm? This is your you know, big opportunity <laughs> to big up your commentary, which is live on TalkSport at 5.30. If you could try and sell it as much as possible. Can we, can we, can we do that again? We should try and just retake. Let's start. And action. I think you're probably going to see more of the same from Brighton. They're going to play very attractive football. They're going to be pretty to watch. They're going to create chances. They're not going to take those chances. And then Wolves, who we know are the archetypal second-half team, they'll soak up the pressure until half-time and they'll probably score two counter-attack goals and win the game 2-0. You said exactly the same thing there. You just made it faster and had a slightly (laughs) higher octave in your voice. (laughs) Just saying. That's the art of commentary, Sam. Um, As you know... I'm starting to worry for Brighton and I, actually I've been worried for them for several weeks now because they are playing well but they're not winning games. One home win in the calendar year is, is unbelievable. a dreadful record. That was it- unbelievable. I sent you that statistic in, in midweek. I couldn't believe it. My jaw was on the floor. They've won yeah. one match at home in 2020. I don't know where I stand on Graham Potter. I think he's a good coach. I think he's got tactical awareness. I think he's improved the brand of football. I think if you actually stuck a striker in that team who could score goals on a regular basis then they would turn a lot more of their territorial domination into wins. But he seems to change the team every week. You, you, Why you did he change no the team so dramatically in midweek and leave basically anyone who had an ounce of attacking talent on the bench? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly do not know. Because that was uh, an odd you, team selection, that. I mean, yeah, in, in odd t- as odd team selections go... That was the oddest I've seen so far this season. Especially against an Arsenal side who, as Darren has already um, articulated, have a soft spine. So to not play any of your main goal scorers seems a very bizarre way to try and win a football match. And I think Tony Bloom is a loyal chairman um, and they've hung their hats on Graham Potter. They gave him a massive contract a couple of months after taking the job. I'm still not completely sure why they felt the need to do that. I think they will stick with him, but they will be acutely aware that there are teams behind them in the table that are capable of going on a run and, and reeling them into trouble so that they need to start winning games soon. They need to find a striker in January. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. I know they do like Dominic Solanke, who finally seems to have found his goal-scoring touch in the Championship at Bournemouth. It would be a gamble because he didn't score goals regularly in the Premier League, but it wouldn't surprise me if possibly he's a player that they try and bring to the Amex. But they need someone. that They could they could do worse than recall Glenn Murray, to be honest, who isn't getting a game at Watford. And despite his lack of pace, at least he does know where the back of the net is. Wolverhampton Wanderers have a similar problem, Darren, in that they have registered four blanks in their last eight Premier League away games. They don't seem to be scoring as many goals, obviously because of the horrific injury to Raul Jimenez, but there is no replacement for him. No, there isn't. I mean, Pedro Neto's looked good. Vitinha's looked good. Uh, Fabio Silva has looked decent, but he's young and he's got a long way to go. Um, before he's anywhere near the kind of player that Jimenez is. We talked earlier in the show about the chances they created. Okay, we disputed them, but the facts are that they had more chances in that United game and they are creating those chances as well. It is just that they don't, they can't seem to finish them off, which is why Diego Costa continues to be the name floating around. The agent, George Mendes, is, has that connection with the club. Look, Costa, is Costa the player that he was? And I mean, he has had a lot of injuries. Haven't they stipulated um, he can't go to certain places though, Diego Costa? Well, they don't want him to go to a rival club in Spain. That's a big thing. Messi talked the other day at Barcelona about the fact that um, Luis Suarez went to Atletico Madrid. He wasn't happy about that. Um, the big clubs don't want players going to rival clubs and strengthening them for very obvious reasons. But I don't think the beer have any problems uh, with him coming here to England and he'd be a good fit for Wolves if he were to stay fit. Uh, right, let's move on to uh, the bank holiday bonus. 
Yeah, Friday is New Year's Day, and there are two games on New Year's Day. Uh, let's start with Manchester United against Aston Villa. Aston Villa have been in terrific form and actually played very uh, well. Second half against Chelsea, I thought, in particular. And as we've already mentioned, rattled the crossbar late on in that game. They take on a Manchester United side that have made a habit of winning matches, although not as many matches at home as maybe uh, you would think. They've got a brilliant record against Aston Villa out of the 188 previous meetings between the two. They have won 99 of them, Crook. Will they make it 100? Well, historically, Aston Villa have been a team, as you've illustrated, that they love to play against. I think confidence in the Manchester United camp is high at the moment. I think that will only be increased by the fact they did manage to turn one point into three so late on against Wolverhampton Wanderers. I've mentioned already, I think they've improved defensively. I think Harry Maguire has undergone a bit of a rebirth at the heart of that Manchester United defence. They've got genuine match winners now in Fernandes and, and Rashford, whose stats for the season are very, very good. And Aston Villa are still a team I think you can get at. So if Manchester United bring their A game, if they play at their best, then they would expect to win the game. But this is a, is a psychological test because they know if they win, they go level on points with Liverpool and that brings its own pressure, a pressure they haven't experienced for, for some time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bruno Fernandes. I had a brilliant interview on TalkSport with him this week, Darren, and he was talking about, look, I can't be the same player as Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm very different to him. But I grew up admiring him terribly, and I want his mentality. And that mentality is complete obsession with winning every single game and one of the things that came across was you know they dropped two points at uh, Leicester and he was furious about it he was irritated by it I mean he, he, someone asked him about the assist that he got he went yeah it was, he, I, I, I probably didn't mean it and I just about got a toe end on the ball but ultimately we should have had more goals because I created others chances for, for, for our strikers and they didn't put them away he's got that sort of drive he does and, and the numbers back him up since he signed last February um, he has being directly involved in more goals than any other player in the Premier League. 32. 18 goals, 14 assists. And, wow. You know, I think Man United might have a different problem going forward because big players and big performances attract interest from bigger clubs. Like and who? I, well, listen, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona. A, a Neither of whom have got any money. Or, or, listen, or, or, or really, are they, are they bigger clubs now? Man United are still second in December. You know, and they still have that poor away, poor home record. How many teams have they beaten in the Premier League at home? Remind me again. Two? Three. Three? Uh, I mean, really. Where, where, are, where are Barcelona in the La, La Liga table? Barcelona are struggling under Ronald Sixth. Koeman, absolutely. But they are Barcelona. Real you Madrid know. is second. Yeah, Real Madrid. They are Real Madrid. You know, he is in the Manchester United are Manchester United, aren't they? Yeah, but they're managed by a guy that not everyone is convinced by. One week after a couple of decent results, everyone's demanding apologies for Ligona Solskjaer. <laughs> Another week after bad results, everyone is saying, oh, well, is he really up to it? And they're asking that I'm kind of... I'm not necessarily um, sure that that, that was, the same, that was question, the same thing. Which suggests that they're not in convinced by him at all. Look, look <laughs> Do you I, know I what, Darren? That, to use your phrase, you, you've said since the start of the season, Manchester United are a team you can't trust. Mm. And I think you've been right. I'm starting to trust them a bit more watching the past couple of games I didn't fear for them against Leicester mm. I didn't fear they wouldn't win the game against Wolves I think there has been a slight change in the mentality there now and I think there's a bit more fear factor about Manchester United mainly because of Bruno Fernandes than there has been in the past do you agree? Um, I, I, listen I would agree I, I would say this because you've got to give credit where it's due and I think you're right Alex I think that you've got they've won seven of their last nine since they lost to Arsenal at the start of November and to be fair to them, they've manoeuvred themselves into a position where they could take their chances. But there are a couple of things that still concern me. They've conceded more goals than any other team in the top 10. If you Six take, against Spurs. Exactly. They've, 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 if you take Fernandez out of that side, where is that dynamism? Where is that driving force? Where is that mentality? He is their leader. That's why I started what I was saying with him. Because... I think if you take him out, they've still got those defensive frailties. Um, and I think the key thing about this match is that a lot of people underestimate Aston Villa, just as they did against Chelsea. I was about to say to you, they've had a brilliant return to form after lockdown. I mean, if you look at their numbers in terms of conceding goals since, since lockdown, I mean, it's brilliant. And it just basically proves the point that if you've got a coach who can identify problems and then knows how to fix them, 
and is prepared to work on them diligently, then you can then you can achieve a lot with a not a limited squad because they're not a limited squad, but they are a squad that you, you you probably wouldn't anticipate being one point behind Liverpool should they win their two games in hand. Um, Everton against West Ham is also a Friday night kickoff, six o'clock, Goodison Park. West Ham United have uh, well, they've just dipped a bit themselves, haven't they? After what was a really good start to the season, Everton have started to find their form again. They've had extra rest. That is one one thing that that will happen. I mean, that for no th- fault of their own, Everton have had an extra day off, and therefore they this this period, this congested period where lots of teams are playing within hours of one another, has actually going to be skewed in the end isn't it because of of the issues that have happened and that's probably why David Moyes was so angry uh, when I asked him a very simple question a very innocent question are you concerned by the number of Covid cases after the game at Southampton he said well nobody cared about me when I got it and then, and then <laughs> that's said not that true were... that's not true we did care about him we... <laughs> and then said there were different rules for different clubs I mean that's a separate point but I think his frustration is probably because he knows Everton are going to come into the game a little bit fresher I was quite impressed with West Ham um, in the week it was a very defensive minded approach I thought Dawson was excellent on his first Premier League appearance of the season Shea Adams not entirely sure about that <laughs> yeah, that was a bizarre instant. Um, they set up not to lose that game at Southampton. If they won it, it was a bonus. And I think it will be a similar approach uh, against Everton because that's the type of manager that, that David Moyes is. But if Everton are going to win this game, they're going to have to go and win it. I don't think this West Ham team are one that gift cheap points to the opposition. And David Moyes has to take a lot of credit for that. Eight defeats, I think, since he came back. Right, let's move on. Um, roulette rivalry time. Lucy. Lucy. How are Hello. you? You're right. Yeah, I'm good, sir. Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year. Oh. Happy New Year. That's the most cheery she's ever been on this podcast, I think. <laughs> well, Did I'm you get a lie in, in this mood. morning? No, I'm in a really good mood because uh, Sam has sent me some lovely champagne. Did he actually? Oh. He did. Where's mine? No, she won the quiz. Well, she didn't win the quiz, but she came second in the I quiz. I was going to say. <clears throat> yeah, but you don't <clears throat> drink. Uh, she didn't come second she came third well whatever and, listen and she's done a good job who's been the person keeping you sane this year you've spoken to me more than you've spoken to Mrs Matterface uh, I've spoken to Lucy quite a bit as well and Darren to be fair to be fair Crook Lucy deserves it yeah I mean, Lucy does A she puts it. up with us B she does all the work she makes she us sound she, she makes us sound at least average every single week which is a major right. upgrade well I hope it wasn't an expensive bottle she's happy with a cheap <laughs> <laughs> start before a fight begins (laughs) quick move on so this is roulette rivalry one to watch so i'll give you 45 seconds to talk about a player from one of the upcoming fixtures and this week i want you to look at crystal palace field sheffield united lucy can i ask did you pick them this week because we said last week that sam we needed the stewards inquiry because sam was picking them and then doing really well mr micromanager would never let her pick them yeah i didn't pick them (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Anyway, Lucy, come on, move on. Remember, no notes, no waffle. And Sam, I'm going to give you... No. No, Here you go. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to say, you know that I haven't made any notes. Here we go. My eyes closed. Go on, go for it. John Lundstrom. Your time starts now. Integral last season, John Lundstrom. Um creating goals scoring goals a big driving force in the dressing room as well um, he's had a contract dispute with Sheffield United which is I think yet to be resolved as a result of that Chris Wilder hasn't used him as much I wonder how much of a, an influence that's had in adding to their problems because he's such a creative force they need to get the best out of him because he needs to provide the bullets for, for the strikers to miss their chances um, so um, look, he's, he is a very good player I think he's one of the few players in the Sheffield United squad that if they and when they do get relegated at the end of the campaign he will be much sought after by uh, other suitors within the Premier League is that not 45 seconds? Oh, good. Oh, my struggling a bit there I think, what was the player that you gave me a couple of weeks ago and I was struggling a bit and you killed me over it? What about when you, when you did Carl Darlow and you went on for about Carl four Darlow. hours? Because you didn't hear Lucy how, say stop. How good was he in midweek, by the way? 
Yeah, he was brilliant. He, did kick, he missed one massive uh, corner kick that went over yeah, his head. Yeah, Firmino uh, should have scored. And when Firmino should have scored. But there was a brilliant moment where we asked Jurgen Klopp about that last night and he turned around and said, uh, we said, oh, we, we, you know, you came up against a goalkeeper who was absolutely brilliant and he went, well, he missed one completely and it went over his head and uh, Firmino should have scored. It was like, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he made four other world-class saves, you know. But anyway, fair enough. What's next, Luz? Right, Darren, you're up next. And I'm going to give you Aaron Ramsdale. Oh, like that means starts. I've got the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, I'm going to send you a bottle of champagne as well. Um, he's a 22-year-old goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> he's a player. Well, he's 22. Don't you want to know how old he is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for it. There you go. Wasting um, seconds. And the, no, no, listen, his age is significant because obviously he's having a bit of a nightmare at the moment at Sheffield United. They've re-signed him. And listen, he had big shoes to fill in coming in for Dean Henderson, who's gone back to Manchester United. And the £18.5 million that they paid for him to sign him for Bournemouth did look a hell of a lot of money at the time. But at the same time, he did do well with Bournemouth last season. Set against all of that, Bournemouth went down and that looks set to happen to Ramsdale again because the players in front of him are letting him down week after week. Yeah, he didn't make any notes for that, did he? None at all. No. I didn't make any notes. How did you know he was 22 off the top of your head? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, no, I did. I, listen, I did, I, I, I did well, well, for sure. Wait a minute. You can see me on the screen. Did I look as though I was looking at notes? I was looking all over the place. Yeah, prep. <laughs> Would you not want me to prep for you? No, no, no. Oh, let, here we go. Don't throw it back at me. I know what you're doing. <laughs> Come on, let's see how this much... Is going, this is going to be the longest 45 seconds of my life, by the way. <laughs> Hold on, can, can I just quickly go and get some popcorn for this bit, please? <laughs> <laughs> Who's he got, Luce? Who's he got? You have got Jack Robinson. And your time starts now. Oh, this is brilliant. The, the one Sheffield United player that the majority of Premier League fans have never heard of. Uh, Jack Robinson is a defender. He has 12 letters in his name. <laughs> <laughs> He shares his surname with the Simon and Garfunkel song. So here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. So if uh, Sheffield United fans don't sing that for him, then they probably should. I mean, there is a serious side to this because they've really missed Jack O'Connell this year. And uh, Robinson is the player who's come in on the left-hand side of that defence. Clearly, he isn't Jack O'Connell. And I think that's been a big problem for Sheffield United. Not quite as adroit at carrying the ball um, out of defence. And it looks like they're going into the championship. And I think O'Connell's absence and therefore Robinson Robinson playing is a big reason. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Just Are we done yet? Yeah, yeah. Just try and get to the 45 seconds. You actually, he started off by talking about Jack Robinson and finished off talking about Jack O'Connell. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want the good news about Jack Robinson? The reason he was included in that list is because he is third on the Premier League list of 2020's best tacklers. He has got a true tackle percentage of 73.1 and only two players in the league who have played more than 900 minutes have a better percentage. A better Do you know percentage. who that is? Two better tacklers. Aaron Wambasaka. Correct. Yeah, he's top of the list at 78.8%. Andy Robertson. Nope. He's not on the list Yannick at Vestergaard. all. Yannick Vestergaard. Neither of those two are on the list. He's an Everton player. 60 grand, 60 grand. Oh, Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman, yes, 76.4%. percent. So there was a reason why Jack Robinson was in that list today because he is uh, his tackling is exceptional. And he's, he's 27. Not, he's, he's not Jack O'Connell. <laughs> and he's got 12 letters in his name. And he, he shares his name with the subject of a Simon and Garfunkel song. Well, he doesn't really because he's not Mrs. Robinson, is he? He's very much <laughs> Mr. Robinson. I thought the best way around that was to make it entertaining. Oh, we oh, certainly did that. Did, did you do that? Did he do that? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sunday is always fun day on TalkSport with the Sunday session on air this week at three o'clock. Andy Cole, Perry Groves and I will be on air as we follow and react to all the live football as it happens. And this Sunday is as loaded as Cyberpunk 2077. Should we start with Newcastle against Leicester City? Um, Newcastle getting a really good result in midweek, a draw with uh, Liverpool. I thought they defended really well. Darlow played exceptionally. Wilson was a real threat going forward. In fact, Darren, I had a my notepad and I was writing down events in the game and after 20 minutes I'd written just three words, Wilson, Wilson 
and Wilson because mm. he did cause problems in that first sort of half an hour, didn't he? He did. If you look at his touch uh, pad as well, 31 touches in the game, lots of them all in, in the midfield. He did a lot of his best work outside of the box, tracking back, but also holding the ball up well in the final third as well to bring other people into the play. Um, and listen, I, we all know that it was a good amount of money that they'd spent on him because of his goals threat full stop but his industry and the side of his game that people don't talk about that often really came to the fore and in a match really you have to say that Steve Bruce needed to get something out of because the vultures were circling and he is still under pressure um, after a bad run of form it's five games without a win now for him um, and only two wins from the last nine so he needed something on uh, Wednesday night and that was an inspirational performance from Darlow and in particular from Callum Wilson. What about Leicester City? I mean we can't ignore them when we're talking about teams that have overperformed so far uh, this season. They're third in the league with 29 points from their 16 games. I think bearing in mind the injury situation that they've had they've done a very good job to be in and around that zone crook. Yeah, they'll be disappointed, I think, to only get two points from their two games over the festive period. They played well against Manchester United and probably deserved a share of the spoils against Crystal Palace. They found it a bit more difficult after that missed penalty from Ryan Atcher. I think probably that game encapsulates why, for me, they won't finish in the top four because they rested Jamie Vardy, as they tend to do when they have two games back-to-back in quick succession. And the backup options are stri- just not good enough. Iannaccio isn't someone who's going to score goals um, at the level that is required of a top-four team in the Premier League, whether that is something that Brendan Rodgers looks to try and improve in the January transfer window remains to be seen. They've had an excellent first half of the season, but I do expect them to, to fall away. Uh, will they fall away in this game? Possibly, but I think if Vardy plays, then they've got a great chance to get back on track. Uh, Southampton-Liverpool is uh, on 8 o'clock on Monday night. Now, usually we don't really touch on the Monday night games, but we should really touch on Liverpool because um, they are the leaders of the league. A quick word on this match. I suppose the key thing is, is, is squad depth, isn't it? You know, The fact is that Liverpool have got a decent level of squad. They can rotate at this stage of the year and they've got some injury issues being solved. Thiago came into the game late on in the second half against Newcastle. Darren Oxlade-Chamberlain was on the bench as well. Things starting to tidy up a little bit. Jurgen Klopp saying afterwards to us that, you know, it's always a good day when you come off the pitch. You ask the first question, is anyone injured? And the answer you get back is no. Mm, And, you know, he said something in his post-match that kind of echoed what I was saying to you at the start of this show, which is that he couldn't care less about the table you start to get serious about the league around about Easter, as Sir Alex Ferguson always used to say, and then you see who can do best at the end of the campaign. I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, there are two ways of looking at their recent run of form. Yes, it has been disappointing that they've not been able to beat uh, Fulham, that they were held by West Brom, that they were disappointing on Wednesday night against Newcastle. But the fact is they are top having lost their best defender and having had a raft of injuries in all sorts of positions all season. And they're still top and they're able to repel everything everyone else is throwing at them. This will be a difficult game for them because I think Southampton have got three uh, three draws from their last four games. They're very good at home. City squeaked past them by a single goal. I was at that match. But I think whatever happens in this match, I think I'll be most fascinated about seeing what Liverpool do in a transfer window over the next four weeks. Key injury to Yannick Vestergaard. Um, I never thought I'd say those words back to back, Crook, but uh, indeed he isn't going to be available for this game. No, although Jack Stevens has come in and, and, and done pretty well. Spoke to him after the game in midweek. He's pleased to be getting some minutes under his belt. The man that Southampton fans call the Cornish Maldini. But speaking of centre-backs... <laughs> That tickled him. Um, <laughs> speaking of centre-backs, I thought Phillips for Liverpool looked gettable. Um, in Danny Ying, Southampton have a very clever player who possibly could exploit those chinks in his armoury. Although, I saw a remarkable stat after the game in midweek. Danny Ings didn't have a single touch in the opposition penalty area. And I actually spoke to somebody at half-time and said, why is Danny Ings dropping so deep into midfield? that they're almost trying to use him like Spurs have Harry Kane, but that meant at times he's out on the left wing, he's out on the right ring. You want Danny Ings in the penalty area doing what he does best. And I think 
that will certainly be something that Ralph Hasenhutl, if I spotted it, he will have spotted it. And I think we'll, we'll see much more of Danny Ings in that action area than we did on Wednesday. As far as Southampton are concerned, they show a lot of respect to the bigger clubs. I remember when they played Arsenal, they had their foot on Arsenal's throat um, and they, they obviously were held to a one-all draw. And after the match, we asked Hasenhutl why he didn't you know, really go in for the kill. And he said, they're just so good. No matter how much they're struggling, we know they've got quality going forward. And he was worried about being caught in the counter-attack. And I think you might see a similar situation with Ings, Crook, where all hands go onto the pump and it might well be that he too doesn't get into that final third because they're so worried about overcommitting and and getting caught in the counter-attack. Uh, let's go to uh, Burnley against Fulham. Uh, what are we expecting from, from, from this one? Are we expecting this one to go ahead, first of all? I suppose that's the big question. Well, I hope so, because I'm supposed to be covering it for TalkSport Live and I don't really want Sunday off. Um, but it is a pertinent point with uh, Fulham obviously postponing their game, or the Premier League postponing their game late on. I, I guess, again, we need some clarification how many players and staff have been affected. The number that I've seen is six players and four staff. Well, if you've got a 25-man playing squad, you should still be able to put out a, a team and, and some subs. So, I think Sheffield United will be quite hard, feel quite hard done by being made to play because they had one less positive corona test than you're supposed to have to get it called off. I mean, it, I mean, if they wanted it called off. Transparency factor, I think, is really key here. And I think there needs to be a, a much better set of Agreed. circumstances to, to assess these situations by. Uh, yeah. Burnley, actually, have done all right. They've picked up a, a, another three points. They don't score any goals, Burnley. They really are nine. Uh, yes, nine goals, um, which is less than sort of like what is it? Point seven five a game. How, how on earth are they sixteenth? It's, it's crazy, what, isn't it? What are their expected goals? Twelve point eight four. Wow. So what does that mean? It means they're uh, they're underperforming on their expected goals. They're missing big chances. The low, the team with the lowest expected goals. Do you know who that is? Newcastle, surely. No, Newcastle's West expected G is sixty fifteen point two nine. So and they're and they're slightly underperforming on their xG. Newcastle, West Bromwich Albion. West Bromwich Albion. Their expected goals total is eight point seven seven. They've actually scored eleven goals, so they're 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 slightly overperforming on what they where where they're expected to be. See, if I was judged by expected goals in terms of household chores, etc., I think Mrs. Crook would probably accuse me of underperforming. So we, let's not dwell on this. I don't think she accuses you of underperforming. <laughs> she, she makes uh, a factual I think statement. You went down that road that very quickly and decided that maybe you shouldn't, Crook. Underperforming. Yeah. yeah. Serial underperformer Alex Crook. Thank you very much. Uh, Darren Lewis, thank you very much as well. We appreciate your time on uh, what is New Year's Eve for us. I hope wherever you are in the world, you have a great New Year. Crook has just done a dance akin to Chris Waddle in 1990 after the uh, Belgium game. However, I will point out that you're not having a party tonight. So, you know, you're in tier four like the rest of us. So what are you going to do? Just sit on your own? Yeah, and get drunk. <laughs> just to be honest, which is what I do most Thursday nights. Don't do that at home, kids. Um, that's it from us. We'll see you Monday for a look back on all the weekend's football. And please rate and review the podcast, download it, and tell all your friends about us on game day from TalkSport. Sport.